0: Gentlemen, welcome back to another thrilling episode of Pixel Snobs. I am your gaming Sommelier Nigel Heighton
1: and I am your gaming garçon Eric Parker.
0: And today we are wrapping up our mini series on the the famous, the impactful, the world-renowned gaming series Mass Effect. Um, and this is uh, if you've been listening along, you know this is kind of Eric's baby. So I'm I'm gonna let Eric take the Joker pilot seat again and uh whisk us away. Oh, oh sorry, <laughs> oh sorry, sorry, I forgot. Report reporting from the Titan submarine, thousands of feet beneath underwater, dude. is
1: Austin Wolf. <laughs> dude, <laughs> we can't have that in there. Well, Are you serious, dude? <laughs> We have to bleep all that. No, it's
2: been it's been months now. Come on, dude. People die. <laughs> they were rich people. They didn't count. Dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get demon. <laughs> we or never. You're not
0: monetized to begin with.
1: Yeah, that's why I stopped saying it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Well, Austin's here. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: And if Eric
2: sounds like really angry, it's because they just squabbled like a married couple for a little while, trying to get down the intro. <laughs> so, There's trying to pe- get down
1: the intro. No, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. behind
2: the scenes there.
1: I also uh, am just straight up recovering from like a head cold, so I sound a little rough. But yes, we are wrapping up the uh, the end of our Mass Effect miniseries um, with obviously the third game in it, which. In a lot of ways, is I don't know. Before we dive into the nuances of it, I just want to get like an overall answer from you two. Where do you guys rate Mass Effect Three as like a ending to the trilogy on a scale from one to ten?
0: I like how you're asking like the most hot topic, yeah, part of this game oh, <laughs> right from the get go. Oh, oh yeah, it's a. I'd probably get a five. Really? Yeah. I'll I'll go a seven. I think.
1: Yeah, I'd probably put it at, like, uh, I'll do an 8, even. Wow. Well, here's the thing. Again, pulling a bit behind the curtain, Nigel, as always, uh, with the theme of this Mass Effect series, didn't actually, like, replay Mass Effect 3 recently. Um, Oops. (laughs) But me and Austin did. And I will say, from when it came out as teenagers to me replaying it now, I like the third game more. Uh, this time around that I did the first game, but we'll dive into the reasons for all that stuff. So if you're picking up for the first time of this episode, I don't know why it should say part three or something. Uh, Go back and listen to the first two episodes with Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2. Austin, me, and Nigel have been breaking down the significance of each game, some of the really cool aspects of it, what we did like, what we didn't like. It's been a really fun time. We're probably going to do more series like this in the future. But today we're going to wrap up Mass Effect 3, which... Um, as we have kind of leaned into in a previ- previous episodes is probably the best from a gameplay system uh which is pretty obvious and would make the most sense since it was the most recent release out of all of them, and they had a lot to build off of. However, there's a lot of um controversy or just like. <sighs> enter conflict amongst the gaming community as to whether this was actually, like, a satisfying ending to the original trilogy. But, again, we're going to dive into that. So, at first, let's dive into what's going on in the the third game. So, Nigel, why don't you give us a summary of what's happening in Mass Effect 3?
0: I feel like this is intentional. (laughs) So, uh, Mass Effect 3 takes place... After Mass Effect 2, who would have thunk? And this is sort of, this is what, this game is taking us to what the series has kind of been building up to, which is the Reapers, these giant alien ship-like creatures, are coming to the Milky Way and they're basically wanting to push the reset button on the galaxy and destroy everything and let everything start anew. And I can't remember if they explain this in the second game or the third game. Um, just in case, if it's in the third game, I wait to the spoiler zone. Um, they uh, they um, apparently do this like every like few thousand years or something like that. Like push the reset button and like let society grow again and like alien species like regrow whatever. And so you, Commander Shepard are back doing your thing on the normandy with your pals and you are basically like the big gameplay mechanic in this one is like what i can't remember the name of it but it's like readiness war war readiness is that what it is war assets war assets okay you're like flying around the galaxy getting war assets which could be like uh special scientists and doctors or like armies private militaries to fight the reapers and so that's pretty much it is that this is this is the reapers they finally arrived in the galaxy and you are at war this is like to put it in in like human history language like this is like the peak of world war ii basically is what's happening here in the mass effect universe and uh Great game, it's super fun, but uh, as we've already discussed, and we'll get much more detailed on later, is the ending was very, very divisive.
1: So, to try to plug in some of the gaps that Nigel <laughs> may have missed in describing the game, although yes, it was intentional, so I appreciate you going along with the Nigel. Um, no problem. So you start the game on Earth, actually, you're in Vancouver, of all places, Is like the place they decide to be the like headquarters of like all of the global earth, like human forces and the Reapers attack and you barely manage to escape. And in your escape, you, uh, your infamous like mentor, captain Anderson is still on earth gathering together forces and gathering together a like, like uh kind of like guerrilla warfare defense group. And he's charged you with going around the galaxy and trying to discover more in, discover more details about what the intentions of the Reapers are, but more importantly, together, as Nigel said, war assets to be able to fight the Reapers. Because at this point, it's just all-out war. And this is manifested in a few different ways in the game. You, like, literally fly between galaxies. And you can see different galaxies uh, where, like, the Reapers are present. And you end up going to a bunch of different homeworlds of a bunch of the different... Um, alien races and you get to see like they're battling the reapers as well. And then on top of that, the other bad guy is Cerberus from the original game. So, uh, or from mass Effect two, I should say. So they kind of began to become antagonists in the second game. As you fulfill like your mission and do everything, you realize how bad they are and how the elusive man is very uh, focused on just like, Hey, Like, I mean, they're space racists. That was a whole joke in our other episode, right? And that that's all he's focused on. Well, in this game, they just straight up are antagonists. Like, you're fighting Cerberus all the time. You're um, actively, like, pursuing the elusive man and things of that nature. And that is part of the culmination of the ending as well. So uh, there is a lot of, like, nuance with the story, that we may or may not get into. Uh, honestly, it's just a lot, and we would be here talking for a while if we really dove deep into specific uh, like plot points. So more importantly, what I really want to talk about in this episode is not only the overall... like how Mass Effect 3 did as a game, but more importantly, how they wrapped up this series. Because I want to say again, something that was more unique for Mass Effect was before they ended up coming out with Andromeda... This was, for all intents purposes, a really well done, self-contained like series that was ending with this game, and they had made a really big deal about that when they were like promoting and publicizing and like advertising that this was the third game. So we like we all went into it under the impression that this was going to be like the end of this series. So you were, you were ready for things to wrap up. So with that being said, uh my first question as we kind of dive into this is so I'm gonna do a little bit of a mediation between um Austin and Nigel. We're gonna start with Austin. So what do you think made this game so great as the like ending to this series?
2: Uh well I think for one, it was very the scale of it was much bigger. Um you could go I mean, I don't think you go more places, but it felt like the places that you did go were more impactful. I think like the the war asset thing really it had like this bigger effect on how you handled situations because you would gain war assets by doing one thing, but you would also lose access to this other thing that may or may not be really important. So like if you, if you side with this one army, you'll lose access to like the special forces that can go in do something more specific and so that like that can have a huge impact on how easy or difficult the game was um but i think overall like the the gameplay it was kind of hit or miss for people for me it was kind of it was fine but some people didn't really like the war asset thing um especially because originally you had to play the multiplayer to get like the max and some people really really didn't like that um and I, I know when I played on the 360 originally, I didn't have access to multiplayer. So it, it kind of locked me out of a significant portion of getting like the best ending possible because you have to have like a certain amount. But uh, overall, I think they killed it with like the the gunplay, I think, was on par, maybe a little bit better than Mass Effect 2. And uh, like the powers and everything, like the the level up system was really good as well.
1: All right, Nigel, we're going to we're going to do a little bit of like a back and forth for a second, since it's obvious where you two stand. So, Nigel, what were some of your biggest critiques or uh, maybe like negative aspects of the game in your mind?
0: Uh, I mean, here's the thing is that uh, it's this is despite me not liking the ending, like most people, it's still a really good game. And like there's no debating how huge this like how how monumental of achievement this game was and what the whole series was but the war asset thing i think mostly worked if i remember correctly from (laughs) forever ago when i played it um i think i think the big problem mass effect 3 that and this has to do with the ending as well is that they pulled away from the biggest strength that the second one had and i think this is why the second one is everyone's favorite game and i think we touched on this too when we did the episode on it is that mass effect 2 was much more focused on individuals than it was the big picture And honestly, I don't know how Mass Effect 3 could be anything except focus on the big picture just because of the nature of the story. Um, But pulling away from individuals definitely had a big impact on, I think, the negative feelings that people had towards the game. Like, but... but sorry my, my i uh i think i'm growing another brain tumor sorry i had a moment there <laughs> <Jeez>. um uh, <laughs> uh but there but even with that said there are still amazing character moments in the game like they don't go anywhere like i remember there's a moment like right before like the big battle at the end of the game when i played there was this moment where like me and the best character garris are obviously best friends and garris like invites you to go uh target shooting like on top of a skyscraper yeah. at citadel and you're just like talking to each other and be like hey like no matter what happens like you've like a brother to me and i've really appreciate all the time we have together um morden is that his name yeah the like his death in this game is one of the coolest deaths of any video game character in any video right. game um he uh that like that's a moment i still remember now uh even though it's been years and years since i've played the game uh, but yeah, I would say the biggest criticism is, of course, the ending and uh, pulling pulling back from the focus on individual character stories. Which, to be fair, it seems like they realized that was a misstep because the big DLC that they did later, what was it called? Was it called The Citadel?
1: No, it was called, um, I think it was called From Ashes.
0: No, the one where it's like a big party, basically. Yeah, I think
1: it is the Citadel. Is that what it's called? Oh, the other one, got it. Like,
0: everyone loved that DLC because literally all it is is just you talking to your crewmates and, like, expanding on your relationships with them. And I think it gave players more closure than they got initially from the original ending of the game. They got to have more individual closure with individual characters.
1: So... I kind of I kind of get both sides of this and that's why I was interested in having you guys talk about it because I think I had the most like 180. I had I had a huge 180 from my memory of playing this game in high school to playing it again as an adult. Like I really was not looking forward to playing Mass Effect 3 like as we kind of talked about I played Mass Effect 1 to just remember everything and to kind of live in the um nostalgia love Mass Effect 2, and then got to Mass Effect 3. But I found myself really appreciating certain aspects that they did. And I think I can break it down into basically like two ways, which is interesting, because I think the two categories of how I think they did a really good job touch on what both you guys are saying. So the first one is that like, they do a lot of big picture stuff. But I think it's really good. So like, one of the things is you don't get to go to a lot of the other races' homeworlds and any of the other games, but you really intentionally go to every single one in this game. Like, I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, so you, you go you, Yeah, like you get to go to every single significant race's homeworld. Um and have really significant, like, interactions. So for the Turians, you get to go and you basically get a new uh a, like military leader for them, because their military leader, I believe, like, dies in a battle or something. <clears throat> and that's, like, a huge deal, because it's how you get the Turian Navy, which is, like, the most powerful space navy in the game, to, like, be on your side. You go to Tachanka, which is the, um... Oh, gosh, why am I blanking on Rex in my favorite race? Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on them? The Krogan, thank you. You go to you go to Tachanka. And that one is, like, a whole thing, because as we've talked about in many episodes, in the other episodes, that, like, one of the massive subplots that's in all the games is this whole idea that the Krogans were this, like, bred uh, race that then became so powerful physically that all the other races got really nervous that they were going to be able, unstoppable, so they, like, sterilized them, basically. And in this game, you get the choice to like fully unsterilize the Krogans or to like let the cure like basically die with like the situation And it's really interesting because there's a moment in the game and that's what um Nigel was referencing with uh, Morden's death was there's a moment in the game where basically Morden sacrifices himself to ensure that the the cure for the genophage, which is the sterilization of the Krogan's is able to like take effect. Like it gets dispersed on Dachanka, and it allows them. And like, if you haven't been listening to the previous episodes, uh, Morden was part of the alien race that developed the sterilization. And then when you first meet him and you do his side mission, you actually learn that he kind of like worked on it and was in support of it and all these things. But then at the very end of the game, There's like this really cool character progression of him basically understanding kind of more of a moralistic view of the situation and assigned to sacrifice his own life to ensure that the Krogans can have a future. Because when you go to all the homeworlds, they're not great because they're all being invaded by the Reapers. But T'Chunka is like actual garbage because it's it's like they're it's basically a third world country in the eyes of space. It's barren. It can't be habitable. It's barely habitable. But then also there's like no one there compared to these other major races. Um, So I think they do a good job with some of those. Uh, And then on the other side of it, they do, I think, wrap up some really interesting personal issue, personal uh, like story arcs, but here's the catch. And this is where I can support what Nigel's saying none of the really important ones or most of the really important ones that you wrap up the people aren't in your party anymore. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like rough. So like one of my favorite ones that gets wrapped up and we are, we already did a little bit of a mini highway to the spoiler zone. also this game came out in 2012. So it's mm-hmm. over a decade old. Sweet um, Moses. Right. <laughs> so one of my favorite one is one of the coolest guys from the, the second game, even though, uh, Austin realized he was a space racist because he didn't agree. (laughs) Is 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 Thane right? Yeah, baby. Yeah. So in this game, Thane is like it's admitted in the second game that he's dying from like his race's version of cancer, but in this game, he's like actively dying, and you see him early on. And you get to have this cool, like, kind of like, oh, it's good to see you. But he's basically, like, the plot armor they use so that he can't join your crew is that he's, like, so sick. That, like, he he's not beneficial to, like, be on the crew. But he's, like, on, he's in the Citadel or somewhere relatively important. And he's someone you can, like, visit. And as you continue to visit him, he's continuing to get worse. Until, like, you visit him and you literally watch him die. And his son's there. Who was the entire point of his loyalty mission in the second game? Was that you prevented his son from like following the same path that Thane did, and his son is there, and he does this like religious prayer. Because if you remember, they're basically like space, like they have like their own religion and associated with his race. And in the prayer, um, gosh, I wish I had researched it a little more. But there's a level of like the prayer is for someone who maybe has like sins that can be like forgiven and passed into the unknown and Shepard, like i think believes that Thane is talking about himself but then his son is like no he's praying for like you and like i'm not gonna lie straight up like may has shed a tear during that scene as an adult and probably in high school didn't give a crap about it like i think they did a good job and there's tons of other examples and i'd be curious for you guys to share which other ones you might find interesting that were like these these interpersonal ones that got wrapped up, but most of the really important ones were people that you couldn't have in your party this game, which does make it feel less impactful because you weren't like playing the game with them the entire time.
2: Yeah. I think uh can you have Jack in your party in this game? I can't remember.
1: I don't think so. I think Jack was no. one that there's a really good like wrap up with her, but yeah, she can't she, be she, she she's a boyfriend. war asset.
2: Yeah, she becomes like this, this teacher. Like she yeah. kind of changes her life and makes makes it known that she doesn't want kids to go through what she went through. So she is like a teacher at the school and you go and save the school. Um, but yeah, I never really noticed that they're not in your party. Like you don't get to, to fight with them. You just have these moments with them, which I don't know. I guess I could see where that could be really annoying, especially like these ones that you have had for the whole three games like jack well no jack was in the second
1: game but um second game but a lot but even even the second game because it was so focused on the interpersonal relationships yeah. even though some of them weren't it's like those were some of the more intense uh relationships you had yeah
0: i got a good example and a bad example so um i'll i'll do the bad example first so i as i discussed in the last episode uh since i was a very young college boy uh was very gung-ho about being with miranda in the second game uh and so but but you know what i was a loyal young college boy because when mass effect 3 came along the person that you romance in the first game if you choose to romance anyone is basically if you know if you decide to romance someone else in the second game in the third game they're like hey like, was that just a one-time thing with them? Or, like, can we get back together? Or whatever. And so I rejected that person in the third one. I was like, no, I love Miranda or whatever. But the uh. thing is, is you only see her in the third game one, maybe two times. And one right. of them is literally you just saying goodbye to her before the final battle and being like, well, I'm off to... uh Right. die a hero's death now guess i'll uh catch you on the flippity flip i guess i'll see you in the dlc miranda and um right. and then you run off into the sunset and it, i remember when i first played the game i was a l- pretty disappointed in that ending which as i've already mentioned they did kind of fix that well not kind of they did fix it pretty well in the uh, dlc from what i could tell and uh gave all the characters including miranda like a much better uh send-off but then uh as I mentioned earlier, uh, Morden's conclusion in this game was awesome because right. he's, as we've discussed before, he is like this very analytical, scientific, very logical person, um, not a very emotional character. And as you build a bond with him in the second game, he does get have a bit more of a personality and kind of shows his colors a little bit more to, to you. But in this one, when he dies, it's basically like an Eric and Austin fill in the blanks for me because I know I'm going to be missing something. But my understanding is like he has to get to a lab that's like about to blow up to uh, to ensure that the Krogans can um, you know re- repopulate again. Mm-hmm. And um, he's about to go up the elevator, and I think Shepard says something like. Why like why do you have to go like why can't I go up there like Shepard's kind of like bargaining with him because he doesn't want Morton to die, and Morton says like one of the coolest like pre death lines ever. So he just like kind of turns around and smirks at you and it's like because I'm the only one who can get it right. And then he just like pushes the elevator button and goes up the elevator, and then you run off and as you're like escaping, you see the lab blow up. And I was like ah oh, that's such a great ending for a character uh and and you kind of get to see like the final uh resolution to the growth that you see for him as a character like becoming more sympathetic a little bit more emotional and then you get to see some of that pre-death sass come out and i'm like yeah dude like that's (laughs) that's awesome and i i i you know, as as Eric likes to tease, I have not played this game since it came out. But the fact I can still remember that scene fa- fairly vividly, however many years later, over 10 years later, is pretty telling to how good uh, of writing it was for that.
1: Right. So, I mean, so just to be just to give a quick reminder, the group, the people you can have in your squad um, is much smaller in Mass Effect 3 then Mass Effect 2 so a quick rundown without the From Ashes DLC which gives you the you know the forerunner guy in your party Javik it is Garrus, Edie Tali, Liara um, James and Ashley so we already discussed that James is pretty forgetful or James or uh, yeah sorry 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 Ashley or Caden depending on who you have surviving from the first game right Right. So uh, Garrus is obviously the bro. He's the best person ever. We've already discussed that. Edie is interesting because she's from the second game. In this game, she is there's very like kind of early on in the game. You fight up like a Cerberus assassin robot and you kill it. And then she she basically uh, like possesses the body and is now a member. Tali and Liara. Tali's been with you from the first game through the second game. Liara can't be in your party in the second game but isn't available in your party again in the third game. Uh, and then James is pretty forgetful. He's a guy who's brought up in this game that like you're introduced to right off the rip, but the problem is, as soon as you get Garrus and then like some of these other people, you're like, whatever. And then Ashley versus slash Kaden is like a really unique one, right? Because we've talked about that in the second game, whoever you have like, resents you a little bit, for like everything that happened like you run into them in the second game or do do you or do you not run into them in the second game i know you You can't have your party you you run into them and they're like pretty resentful of you and they don't understand like what you're doing
2: why you join the space races
1: right why you join the space races and then in this game i had forgotten how much time they spend trying to like Mend that relationship so like when i played it recently i had Caden. Caden was the one who i let live so it's like you are actively like having interactions with Caden or ashley where you're basically trying to be like you can either try to be like really sympathetic with him or you can be like i listen i don't have to explain myself to you and basically you're like tough like you just gotta understand like i had to do what i had to do man um,
2: well like they're sick the whole time too like they oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like in the hospital in the citadel and you're like going to visit them and they're just like they're mad at you and you're like I came to visit you and you just want to get mad at me over something that happened a long time ago
1: I didn't forget about that that's why you run into Thane is because when you're fighting the assassin robot that Edie becomes that's when you're that's when Caden or Ashley gets hurt and yeah. goes to the hospital you're right and that's when you run into Thane, because he's there. So, it's interesting because, really, the only person in your party that you get to have a really good, <clears throat> like, solid resolution with is Tolly, Because the, you get to have the whole thing where, like, so if, quick recap, the whole point of the Corians, which is the race Tali is with, is they really hate the Geth. And you learn in the second game, right, that the Geth, there's, like, a a subset of them that are being controlled by the Reapers, but most of the Geth don't want to be, like, with the Reapers. So, this, so, you have Legion, who pops up in this game, and Legion and Tali are obviously super at odds, because Legion, um is a Geth and Tali is a Korian, and the Corians made the Geth as like servants, and then basically they abused the Geth, but then the Geth got to a point where they like were worried that the Geth were gonna like basically revolt against them. So they like kind of bastardized and villainized them. And then like correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, Austin or Nigel, like basically made them seem like the enemies and then the Corians could no longer inhabit their planet. So they left. So then the geth are there, which just creates an, even more of a conflict between the Corians and the geth. So it's like in this game, you get to go to the Corian's home planet. And there's a whole story arc about like, whether you basically kill all the geth or whether you like, and help the Corians like rehabitate their planet. Or I think you can like try to convince them to cohabitate the planet with the geth. Isn't that right? Something like that, yeah. And I thought that one was really cool. Like, There's just a lot of... like They introduce so many plots in the games, right? We talked about how one of the most unique aspects of Mass Effect, even in the first game, was that they created this whole universe and all these alien races and all this backstory from nothing. And they wrapped up so much of it in this game. And I think that's one of the most interesting juxtapositions in this game is i think they did a super good job maybe minus miranda which uh nigel already brought up i think they did a su a really good job wrapping up all the stories except for the main one yeah i
2: think so
0: yeah i'd say that's true because like even the the dlc afterwards that like quote unquote fixed things didn't fix the main ending it was more like helping expand on the individual endings that you have with individual characters
2: well i mean the dlc in general i think is really annoying and i don't know if we were going to get to that at all but the dlc is annoying to me because they added so much stuff as a paid dlc that is almost required to understand the full context of what's going on like there's a whole companion like behind dlc that is literally the the race of people that did the best against the reapers and that you're trying to like replicate you just have him as a as a companion and you get to talk to him and learn about his culture yeah. and all this stuff and it's like you couldn't have added that to the game like i'm pretty sure that was one that was done before the game
1: it was a day it was a day one dlc yeah. being available it's like, why would you says. nickel and
2: dime someone over something so important that really ties together a lot of the story? Uh, along with well, this is the, EA we're talking about. Well, so. <laughs> along with the the Leviathan DLC, did the exact same thing. You get a lot of backstory about where the Reapers are came from and how right. they got to where they are. And it's just like this throwaway DLC that takes you like an hour to do. Right. But it was paid extra. That I think that right. kind of rubbed people. A, the wrong way, and I I never had them when I played it the first time. So when I played it again, in the uh, what's it called, the Legendary Edition or whatever, yeah, um, I was like, what, where, where was all this when I played the first time? Because it expanded <laughs> so much.
1: Yeah, I don't think I had any of the DLCs except for the From Ashes one. And this may or may not be correct, so I don't really care though. Um, I believe that maybe the From Ashes one came with the game if you like pre-ordered it. So I may have had that. I know. I know I had that because I remember in high school playing the third game and having Javik, who's the Prothean like companion you can get. Really, Um, I just can't remember if I like paid for it or if it had come like day one. Because I know I pre-ordered this game, but I can't remember. You know how it came. But we've we've danced around it a little bit, and before we, I think in touch even more on this game let's talk about the main wrapping up ending right so the main ending that takes the most flack in this game is basically what you end up getting to is you convince all these other alien races that we have to like save earth first which is hilarious in my mind it's a very Hmm. like it's a very like again human focused but it's also i get it for the plot we have to save earth first And then if we can save Earth, we'll be able to, like, defeat the Reapers and be able to save, like, everybody else. So, excuse me. The whole game, you're trying to figure out the key to, like, defeating the Reapers is this thing called the Crucible. You're trying to build the Crucible. And that's, like, a whole other aspect of the game. Well, what you learn is that there's, like, one last piece that was never able to be found. And that was what caused the Protheans to, like, not be able to defeat the Reapers. And you learn that like the last part of the Crucible, that's something called the, um, is it the Catalyst? Yeah, 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 the Catalyst is, um, is like the ship you're on. So you basically have to like use the the big Citadel ship. That's what I meant. The Citadel is the last key. It's the Catalyst for like starting the Crucible, which is this weapon that can be used to defeat the Reapers. It's like. Imagine like Death Star esque if you've never played the game, but you've seen Star Wars, all right? So you t- it takes until almost the very end of the game that you finally learn that the catalyst is the All these words start with C, and that's so confusing. Catalyst at El Um <laughs> So you are like you then go and like basically are able to launch a final assault on Earth, which is like again another suicide esque mission where you're getting the catalyst which is the crucible or which is the citadel to line up with the crucible to then like have this final like weapon. And when you get up to it, you interact with this AI that is that manifests as this like little boy which is important in the game because you have all these dreams where you're chasing this child the whole time. Um, but that's like more of a we can talk about that if we want. That's a very artistic choice, but you have this Interaction with this AI, and that's where, as Nigel said earlier, this AI explains that the Reapers are the cyclical, uh, like, event that's always going to happen, where basically inorganic or organic life gets too expansive and is causing too many problems in the eyes of this, like, completely impartial inorganic, like, entity. So they activate and release the Reapers to come and exterminate and wipe out all organic life. That is like advanced, inevitably causing basically a reset, and then it's just a constant thing that happens over and over again, where inevitably organic life will prosper and grow and learn and advance to the point where they will be back at like a you know sci-fi far future uh, civilization, but then they will get too big, there will be too many problems. And, uh, it's very like Thanos esque where it's, it's basically, it's the way that the universe balances itself. Cause in their mind, if they let organics get too out of control, they will just like destroy the universe in their mind and like sab all the resources and all that good stuff. So you have a choice, which I believe there's a, is there a DLC that all, that gave you an additional choice as well? I think we've talked about this.
2: I'm not sure if it gave no. you more choices, but it expands on the choices that you do have at
1: the end. Yeah. So the choices that you, you have are that you can basically do the um, – you can basically let it happen. So you can like let – can't I, I guess I should clarify. Uh, I feel like I remember the choices really well, but Austin, do you feel like you remember them specifically or anything like that? uh kind of okay do you want (laughs) to do you want to shoot to explain it
2: Uh, so basically you have three choices um a, a red a green and a blue one yes um and you have the choice to kind of meld with the reapers and kind of pseudo become a reaper, but you kind of control them. That's the that's the green
1: option is what this is.
2: That's thing the green option. Um so you basically are able to make the universe in your likeness or like however you want to make it. Um that's which is kind of a more neutral option because you can like choose to save people that way. Uh there's a destroy everything. You can like let the Reapers you can like succumb to this idea that yeah we're out of control and we need to do something so you can let the reapers destroy everything you included um, or you can destroy the reapers but that I can't remember that has like
1: I got I got a drawback so there. I have the I have the options right here if you want me to explain them real quick we got, yeah, like I, yeah. I looked them up so sorry for the people listening sometimes we can't remember everything so yes there's red blue green and then there's like um, there's another kind of like Red Point 2.0. So Destroy Red is that Shepard can destroy the Reapers, but this will also destroy all synthetic life in the galaxy, including the Geth, Edie, and even Shepard's cybernetics. The mass relays are destroyed, making intergalactic travel difficult for a time. Destroy has the greatest possibility for collateral damage, as it can cause Earth to be vaporized entirely and for the Normandy crew and Shepherd's squad to die. So, I do remember that one. Because it's basically like they give you this option of like, hey, you can destroy the Reapers, but you're also going to kill way more things. So then Control. Shever can sacrifice themselves and merge with the Reapers, which is what Austin mentioned. Effectively taking control of them, Shever uses the Reapers to rebuild the galaxy and continues controlling their existence. Control always results in the full squad survival and Earth can still be ravaged, but not uh, vaporized. Then there's green, which is the like obviously red and blue combined. Shepard can sacrifice himself to merge all organic and synthetic life in the galaxy, preventing the Reapers from needing to continue the cycles. With this option, Earth survives and Shepard's squad survives and are synthesized. This option is only available if players have enough total military strength, which is that war asset thing. And then, according to this website, the perfect ending is is you do choose to destroy, and if you have a total military strength of 7,800 or higher, uh, Shepard's love interest will refuse to put their name on the Normandy Memorial Wall, and then they'll show the debris of the crucible, and they'll show Shepard floating, and then he, like, takes a breath, meaning that he survived the explosion. So, that was a lot. Basically, you can either destroy the all the synthetic life, but it, like, sets back humanity and will cause Earth to be destroyed So it's like a huge collateral damage, but like you've stopped this cycle from happening over and over again. You can choose blue, which is basically that Shepard sacrifices themselves and merges with the Reapers. They can control them, but there is still this like cost of what happened and the cycle continues. Or you can, if you have enough military strength, you can have this third alternate ending where Shepard and All organic life basically merges with the Reavers, kind of creating this harmonious existence. And those are the the three endings for the game.
2: Kind of lame, if you ask me.
1: Yeah. And this is where it's interesting. And maybe we'll have to have a guest spot of Jackson at one point, because I feel like Jackson might have opinions. I can't remember if he said he had played this game or not, but regardless, he's not on here right now. Definitely kind of lame. Like, did not enjoy those options either times I played this game through.
2: It just didn't feel good. Like, it didn't felt like anything you did kind of mattered when it kind of boiled it down
0: to these three things that have no bearing on what you did at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what everyone, including myself, I think that's what everyone's problem was, was that you've been playing this series of games... For years and years and years. And then at the very end, like the absolute climax, you just walk into a room and there's some little boy that's like, All right, which one do you want to do? <laughs> and you're like, What? <laughs> like, did, did nothing I just do for the past six years or whatever not have any bearing on this? And the little kid's just like, No. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think that was what everyone's main frustration was, was that the ending didn't have anything to do with what decisions you made. Uh, it was just like, well, which like it was literally just pick an ending, like just pick what ending you want. And so there was no consequences to uh, your actions. And, so, and I, I want to correct what I said earlier, by the way, with uh, how I felt about the ending. I think the five wasn't necessarily the ending options that my five was more assigned to the ending mechanics, not the endings themselves, uh, because that that really rubbed me the wrong way when I played when I when there just wasn't a natural ending that resulted from my decisions and that it was instead walk into a room and there's three buttons and you push one and they play a cut scene.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely like none of them felt good. Right, so like none of
0: them
2: felt like satisfactory. I
1: think there's, yeah. So you you two are both touching on <clears throat> what I was gonna say was I think there are two two ways to discuss why this these suck, and I think both of you are touching on each aspect. So like, I'm gonna touch on what um, Austin said first. Yeah, first of all, they just don't feel like they don't feel resolute. Yeah. Like they don't feel like there is an ending. That feels like things have been solved, even if it's a difficult outcome. Because on one of them, Earth literally gets destroyed. So, I don't know why you would ever choose that option as someone playing this game. Like, we're all humans, and we are a human, and, like, why would you choose the option where the whole point has been you're trying to save Earth? Like, there's a whole rallying cry in the game about trying to save Earth, yet at the end you choose an option where Earth gets Obliterated, and not only that, but if you don't do enough in the main game to get your mil- total military strength up, that's the only option you have. Like, you will just destroy Earth and all synthetic life, which makes no sense why you would choose that. Like, unless you're, I feel like, have the intellectual ch- capacity of a child. If they laid out everything in front of you and they said, "Hey, if you make the decision, yeah, you kill the Reapers, but here are all the other things that happen," no one's going to choose that. And then for the the other ending where you merge yourself, it's it's a little more resolute, which that's the one I went with when I played recently. But it still feels empty because you're you're not actually solving much. And it's kind of cool because you get to see the Reapers like rebuilding the galaxy. Like you get to watch them like they're helping to put the Citadel back together and they're helping to like fix planets and, and space stations and they're seen as like good. But I think what made it difficult is we talked about in the first game how the Reapers are such a good antagonist because they're just evil. There's no reason to want to be on their side. So the fact that like the closest to a satisfying ending you have involves you having to take them over is what made that feel kind of like dumb in my mind. I
2: think they they wanted you to like have like this dilemma of, like will you believe right. like will you be persuaded by this argument that they have of organic life is like it has to die in order for there to be progress or if you continue to have organic life it will result in like this disaster mm. and I don't, I don't think many people really bought that argument at right. all. it was like it's almost like you said like we're human yeah <laughs> we're not gonna agree with that
1: like how you're not gonna be able to convince us enough to be like you know what we should all be killed like you're yeah, you're right yeah. and then sorry nigel like and then what you were saying nigel was that you were like it has it felt like it didn't matter what i just did for the past three games all it matters is that i just choose a or choose b which is also frustrating, because when you're in games that are all about choice and, like, differences and the domino effect of decisions, I would rather get to the end and it just be like, this is the ending you have, you've achieved because of the choices you've made. And then it's like, yeah. if you want to achieve a different ending, you have to go back and play other things. Like, you have to go back and make different choices. You have to go back and completely rewrite the story that was done you can't just get to the end and then be like, oh, I'm going to choose this option and then reload that save of the end and be like, now I want to choose that option. Like it, it it undermines all the, all as Nigel was saying, all the like choices and dilemmas you've had to build up to at that point.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing is you mentioned Eric, that like the only reason someone would like pick this bad ending is like, if they're, you know, stupid um, or whatever, but um (laughs) like there there i i think like a ending should be the result like a, a, when it comes to games where you have to make decisions and in a role playing setting and it, and like your game decisions can vary from another person's game decisions that the ending and the resolution should be a result of decisions that you make and like there are some people that play games like in a really stupid way and they just murder everyone and whatever and they deserve to have that bad ending right where the earth gets obliterated because that's the ending that they earned for themselves Mm -hmm. and so i think the frustrating part is that when you're like me and you play is like you try to be like the good paragon guy and you try to do everything right there isn't an appropriate ending for you available um like i think when it comes to fiction all works of fiction like, people want the good guy to win, and they want there to be a good ending for the good guy. And that was not really available in this game. Like, even the quote-unquote good ending still carried, like, some heavy consequences right. to them. And I think there is a time and place to have endings like that, because some someone is trying to make some sort of commentary on, like, life or whatever – but uh i think i think when you put this like years and years of work into something like this like all the people that played this game when it first came out they want they kind of want that fairy tale ending at the end they don't want this like well you destroyed the reapers but uh the earth is gone <laughs> and you're dead right. and your friends are dead uh you know like i i think they want something more hopeful and more optimistic than that and i think that might have been what bioware tried to fix when they did like the expanded fleshed out ending dlc that austin was talking about but it just it just wasn't a great choice for ending options and i think it kind of goes to show one what i've already harped on enough in this whole series that like gamers and I think people in general care more about individual stories and these like large scale things typically. And two, Bioware strength is writing those individual character stories versus these large scale stories, you know, because the character stuff is awesome. But when it came to, Wrapping up this huge conflict that's carried out over three games, they kind of fumbled the ball at the end of it. I
2: did find this uh, one of the writers in 2021 did an interview and he said the controversial aspects about the endings were intentional in order to not make any of the choices perfectly moral or right for everyone. So like they were trying to make it so like you didn't feel bad because there's like, there's always a downside, but in the end, I think, all it did was just piss people off and was like, well, it didn't really matter. Like, because I think one thing that's consistent with all the endings is that Shepard dies, or at least
1: he's... Shepard can only not right. die if you do the destroy ending, and you don't get to feel the consequence of him not dying. Right. Yeah.
2: And it's like everyone else dies when the story ending right, happens right. either way. So it's like it doesn't really make a difference. And I think that's fine. I think Shepard sacrificing himself for everyone else is fine. But when it comes at the cost of just pick a color um, right. and they're basically all the same, it kind of takes the wind out of you.
1: Well, and I think the biggest thing is, and this and this is going to pivot into like a question I have for you guys, is... It's so hard to write an ending, like to to really longer, complex like forms of media, right? So this is something you see over and over again, not just in like these kind of stories, but in like everything. So me and me and my wife Allison just recently wrapped up the sitcom The Big Bang Theory. Uh, and we like, like the ending for the most part, but it got us talking about like different endings to different popular sitcoms, like the office and how I met your mother and friends and like the things that we liked about them and the things we didn't like about them. And then obviously there have been like massive shows that have ended in our lifetimes. Right. You think of like breaking bad and game of Thrones and shows of that, of that capacity. Right. And like, obviously most people didn't love game of Thrones ending. Like it was Pretty murky, especially that last season, so it's hard to write a good ending. So now I want to ask you guys, what do you think is the closest to like a perfect ending for Mass Effect that you guys could think of
2: um I think it has to do i think Nigel, you' the one who mentioned it a little bit earlier that I don't think it should have been a choice. I think it should have been the culmination of everything you've done so far. And I get, like, that kind of expands the possible endings, which I think is a lot harder to develop that way. But at the end of the day, I think stopping the Reapers and, like, to me, Mass Effect is about the struggle between humanity and, like, inorganic life, like AI and stuff like that. So if I think of my ending to Mass Effect, it would be that humanity... Even though it's imperfect, still deserves life, so something along the lines of stopping the reapers from destroying life and allowing life to continue on its own and if we destroy ourselves and that's fine that's you know that's what we do. we learn as humans and or, organic creatures um, but if if we don't, we'll never know if we don't if we're not allowed the opportunity to to grow past what you deem is. The end of our life.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. What about you, Nigel? I'm 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 reserving any commentary. I, I appreciate what you said, Austin. I am just don't want to say anything until Austin or Nigel gives his.
0: I think um, for me, like one of the ultimate themes of Mass Effect the series, and this kind of delves into like the art artistic value of it for me is like unity and difficult like tumultuous times because so much of the whole series is you like being a mediator between either humanity and other species or like one species and another species and like trying to bring people together for a common cause and to see past each other's differences and and conquer those things and i feel like if if you were to playing the game I the way I was, and that's, like, your goal, and that's what you're gunning for, the perfect ending, honestly, was kind of the ending to Halo 3. Because the ending of Halo 3 is h- humanity and the aliens that you've been fighting in the past three games uh, coming together and, and stopping, like, the actual bad guy. And, like, are there some... S- sad parts to the halo three ending like kind of like unless you beat it on legendary difficulty you think massive uh master chief is dead and stuff but like the ending of uh halo three is like very optimistic and very hopeful and you feel like you've accomplished something at the end of it like i've played through these three games i've beat the covenant we've come together like we united with the covenant and defeated like the the Profits and the brutes and like all this stuff, and you see humanity and and the other aliens like living together as one, and um and there was, and so there's just like a much more optimistic, hopeful ending in place there, and with Halo Three that put a much better like feeling in your in your gut at the end of it, and Mass Effect didn't do that. Like they intentionally decided to be divisive, and I don't think that was the way to go uh i think there was there's when i was first getting into like D D and learning how to be a dungeon master this is such a nerdy example but whatever um i remember i was watching a video on like how to write a good villain and it was or or yeah it was how to write a good villain it was like to make them like pure evil and like something for the characters to conquer and defeat to lead to like a satisfactory happy ending at the end of the campaign and is that always the case of telling a good story no but i think that does apply to mass effect where there just was not enough uh there wasn't enough optimism there wasn't enough hope there wasn't enough of a satisfactory ending there it left you you walked away from the game with negative feelings and that's yeah. not good
1: so yeah you both touched on two different things i think are important which is like, <clears throat> it, it's a stylistic choice. This is something Nigel talk, touched on. To decide whether you want, you know, the feel-good, everyone-has-a-good-time ending. Which which is so interesting, because then in a previous episode, we talked about Outer Wilds, where I kind of said that, like, I thought the ending was not as feel-goody, and I didn't love it, but then both Jackson and you, Nigel, said that you loved the ending because it wasn't feel-goody. So it's really it's really dependent on the specific media you're consuming, right? Because the Outer Wilds and Mass Effect are two different, even though they're video games that are set in like a sci-fi setting, they're two very different forms of media to consume. And Mass Effect, it's like most of the audience of that game wanted the like feel good like and the end and you shut shut the storybook and you sit back and you go that was great i'm so happy the game ended and like for me i feel like the closest you could have done for that is like i think that sa- i think Shepard does have to sacrifice himself at the end i think that has to cement his like legacy as this legend that for for the gal for like the galaxy and all the races um and i think he has to sacrifice himself and i think it it might need to destroy the mass relays to like set technology back a little bit but it doesn't definitely doesn't need to destroy earth it doesn't need to destroy other people i think that would have been a pretty good ending um but then one thing that like austin touched on is most any media that for the most part has a conflict between like humanity and organic life versus like an inorganic life that tries to take control and do something to humanity to try to like save humanity almost always there's a there's a culminating moment where the organic life individual, the human is like, you don't get to decide like what's right for us. And like you touched on that. Austin. Right. This idea yeah. that it's like you, I don't care that your numbers or your like objective decision-making has determined that this is what's best. Like you don't get to make that decision. And that's the beauty of being a human is that it's not all just about crunching numbers and, and the, the objective side of things. Like there are subjective things that go into the the conversation when you make decisions. So, it's it's almost if you they could have used some of those aspects, but yeah, writing endings are just is super hard. Um and it's a choice, right? You you decide if you want to give the ending the audience's one or if you want to try to make more of a statement. And we've talked about this in other games that it's obvious that it was a stylistic choice and it's just one that did not resonate with almost anyone. And I think it does have to come down to the amount of investment people had. I mean, it's why shows like How I Met Your Mother had such a terrible ending in most people's eyes, because there was so much investment that then when the ending tried to make like a commentary, I feel like, people said we didn't want a commentary. We wanted the like pretty bow that we had been waiting yeah. for for like years. Which was the same thing. Can I this. can I elaborate?
0: Because I think I think I got uh I, I think I can communicate better like why some endings work in some sure. don't. So, like, take. Well, okay, so let's compare "How I Met Your Mother" to "Breaking Bad." Okay,
1: <laughs> two very so widely two more spoilers. But, outs, by the way, if you haven't finished "Breaking Bad" or <laughs> "How I Met Your Mother," turn off this episode. All right, go. So, how I think what it comes
0: down to is that people want the ending that gives the most payoff to the work that has developed up to that point. So, like how i met your mother the whole show is about how ted is gonna meet the mom right and that's so that's what people have been led to expect is what the ending is going to be is that it is going to be that tie a wrapped up bow at the end tied around around a nice little package but instead they got oh he's still in love with aunt robin which is stupid <laughs> and also i think that's and and honestly i think that's that's a, a really bad thing to communicate to people to say like oh this this person that he has stayed at multiple times is an unhealthy person for him to be in a relationship with is who he ends up with at the end of the show like it's stupid um but take breaking bad breaking bad is not a hunky donkey dory hunky donkey like walter you know, White, you
1: know that expression
0: hunky donkey dory hunky donkey I I was, I was really hoping you were going to let that slide, (laughs) Eric. But, uh, but you know, thanks a lot. Anyway, um, like Walter White dies, right? And he does. uh, I'm joking. uh, His his family hates him. All this other stuff. But that ending, it feels right for that because that is what is earned. Like throughout the show, he he becomes exactly like he becomes more and more and more of a villain throughout the show and then like he d- even though he dies like he does kind of get a kind of redemption arc at the end but that's the ending that was earned like that is what was built up to um and the same thing with outer wilds because before the ending you find out that you're screwed mm-hmm. right and so like, and that you are doomed as a player and like all the people in that galaxy are doomed or that solar system whatever But they still resolve it in a way that pays off all the work that you did. And so I think that is the problem with Mass Effect. And it's not like it did as poor of a job as How I Met Your Mother. It just wasn't as... Like, I think everyone wanted that more optimistic Halo 3-ish ending to it if you played it that way. And no matter what decisions you made, there was still this, like, shadow hanging over the ending just as like negative cloud that was there and so it like it did pay off in some ways but in other ways it didn't and so that that's why i think sometimes that like overly optimistic ending like hallmark ending works sometimes and then there's other mediums like the outer wilds and breaking bad where the rougher endings even though there is some sadness and grief there, still have a satisfying payoff for the person that is experiencing that artistic medium.
1: Yeah, I think
2: it, it didn't make me mad the ending of Mass Factory,
0: but it just made me go,
2: "Oh, well, that that's it." Like after playing all these games all these years, I was just like, uh, "I mean, that was that was bad," but like, yeah. Whereas, where like something like Game of Thrones, I was actively
1: mad. I was, like, <laughs> I've wasted so much time.
2: <laughs> like, that was stupid. This one wasn't. It, I wasn't mad at it. I was just like, ah, I wish there was a better. <laughs> one. But, like I, I was kind of sad. I was kind of like, we deserve better. But uh, Austin, I, I think, was I yeah. was
1: actively mad. I still am actively yeah. mad. Uh, <laughs> 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 that's that's funny. Uh, yeah, it it definitely like I. I love having a conversation about like good endings just because I I think in like plot points and story arcs so much and as I consume different things in my life different forms and like aspects of life so I, I actually really like talking about endings again me my i I probably forced my wife but I would like to pretend that she was in, she was happy to have this conversation but we talked about like endings of sitcoms for like an hour after we finished the big Bang Theory the other day and talked about like what made certain ones good, what made certain ones bad. So, yeah, I definitely agree with Austin. Not that there's like a disagreement, but I I want to reiterate what he said. And yeah, like I definitely think that's one of the better ways to word it. That it just left you feeling empty or just like not satisfied. You're just like yeah. this was the end. Like really, like after all that, like what I wanted was this. Like Shepard died, the universe was saved, and I wanted to see how everyone live their life in like a happy way but was like commemorating Shepard. like that would have been like great because that's very like halo 3 massive yeah. or like halo 3 with master chief like that's very that that style of like i mean you are playing the hero you are playing this protagonist that is like this larger than life character so the whole point is you should die sacrificing yourself but you should die for the great the greater good excuse me like that should be how it works because that is the expectation we all have right and like this even reminds me of another thing i read one time which is that like most pop music is really popular because what the what what is made with the music is like you can anticipate how it's going to like like the next note or the next progression that's going to happen and that ability that ability to anticipate it and then to have it happen is the like sad sati- is what makes pop music so satisfying and catchy most of the time
0: i actually read that about the office like the reason that people rewatch the office over and over and over again is because they that's not just the office everything. that's any sitcoms that's and another study
1: i did see is that most overly overly anxious people yeah. re-watch shows because they it's all predictive to them so they know what's going to happen so it's like an anxiety lessening thing because there is nothing that's going to like take them by surprise because they already know how the show's going to play out. But all that to say, like this, this was the <laughs> this was jazz. Like you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, <laughs> like the ending of <laughs> the ending of aspect was just free form jazz where it left you going. What? What? What am I? Do- what am I listening to? What am I playing? It's just free-form jazz.
2: <laughs> well, and like your your whole goal of the entire game is to save everyone, and then two thirds of the don't ending,
1: save you know, everyone; <laughs> everyone <dies anyway. laughs>
0: they all die. Yeah, Eric. Whenever we start making t-shirts, I think we should make a Mass Effect is jazz.
1: I mean, that's fair. Sure. I just it felt like I saw a funny. I saw a funny TikTok the other it's day. when great. it was like it was somebody at like a jazz club and it's like, everyone's like a bunch of people are nodding along. And then there's just some guy in the back that has a face of like disgust. And he's looking around like, does everyone else like this? Like, <laughs> <And> It's like, it's <laughs> jazz, jazz baby. jazz baby. So yeah, that's I mean, we've, jazz, we've baby. spent a lot of time talking about the ending of this game. Also that's, I mean, it's honestly, there wasn't too much different in the gameplay from an artistic value. Um, The, the, like I said, the relationships that were, Wrapped up were primarily relationships with people who weren't in your party. Again, Tali and Liara and Garrus had a little bit of like a wrapping up. Uh, we didn't we didn't talk about Legion. Legion is a really good one. Legion again um, because Austin's a space racist, he didn't care. Um, Le- Legion's uh, <laughs> ending was really cool because it was basically about him. Uh, I think he also sacrificed a lot of sacrifice, a lot of sacrificial death in uh, this game. I believe he also sacrifices himself. To basically, um, I think, release the Geth from like the control of the Reapers, like that subset of them that are. I think he sacrifices himself to like become. I believe it's like he becomes a conduit, or like a, or like the package of which like an antivirus is then used to like release the Geth from their thing. But like in in that delivery, like the because he's holding it, like he has to be destroyed. So. It was again really cool and again, it was all about like I can't remember which one of you touched on that, but like a, one of the major themes of mass effect is like unification like the whole idea that it's like we're gonna look past these differences that we have and we're gonna be unified and like most of the story arcs that focused on that felt really satisfying in their in their conclusion because it 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 meshed well with the theme and the ones that didn't mesh well with that were really felt like you kind of felt empty because you were like, well, what was the point of that? Like, that doesn't align with the rest of the theme of the game. So, do, do either of you guys have any kind of a discussion-esque question you want to you wanna ask the class? I- either of you?
0: No. I feel like we've, we've beaten, beaten this game, this game
1: death to death. death. I mean, really. Oh, man. Oh, man.
0: What did y'all think I of mean, the little boy thing?
1: I didn't mind it cuz at the yeah, very beginning you like dark. see <laughs> dude it's so dark we've They're I know real, we this is this. a dark
0: game <laughs> I, I
1: know we've touched on this a couple times but the freaking Mass Effect is dark cuz for those of you who haven't played the game it might not so there's a you're again you're on earth at the beginning of the game and earth is getting attacked by the reapers so it's like mass just like casualties are happening and you're getting on an escape pod and you're looking at like this little boy that, like, runs and gets on this other escape shuttle. And then that escape shuttle just gets blown out of the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, just vaporized. And then for the rest of the game, Shepard has these, like, nightmares where he's chasing this, like, little boy in the woods. And, like, whenever he catches up with them, he just, like, sees death and, like, destruction. And then at the very end, the AI manifests himself as the little boy as he talks to you and gives you the conclusions. So it's... Or,
2: or... or. Was it the little was boy it the, all Was along? he
1: actually the? That's you know what, Austin, you got me. That's what it was. Uh, the little boy was the. He controlled the reavers all along. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I don't know. I thought it was a cool artistic piece. That's one of those things where video games don't always get that artsy, and when they do, it's like I don't expect them to, but I don't mind it either. Like I think I think it was nice to have that kind of like overarching thing throughout the whole time. Well, because i so i'll be honest before i replayed it i couldn't remember i just remember the ai was a little boy and i was like why the frick was the ai like a little boy like i don't remember why and then i started playing the game and i was like oh yeah that's right that's why so i guess that was kind of cool i i thought i thought
2: it was boring when i was in high school but now that i played it as an adult i could appreciate. yeah I, i
1: thought it
0: was a good sort of like allegory for ptsd and uh, uh yeah. I think it would have been cool to actually see that earlier in the series, but anyway, I, Nigel, I Nigel's
1: it. getting on his soapbox can being like, as a you know, I think it has a lot to do with PTSD, uh, and trying to sound super smart. All right. Well, thank you, Eric,
0: for uh leading the <laughs> Mass Effect series talk. I appreciate uh, you did a great job. Um it was our first minis- miniseries mini series we've ever done. Um and I think we did a great job. Um and Austin, thank you for joining us every episode for this, even if you had to report from the bottom of the ocean yeah. today, that's okay. Dear God. Oh my gosh. I already ordered a mic. We got one on <laughs> okay, on the way.
1: Great. So I'm ready to, ready to, um, Eric,
0: do we want to share what our next uh, scheduled episode is going to be?
1: Um, Let's hold off. We're trying to iron out a few details. We, uh, we, with this may, possibly being the last episode that will come out in this year. Uh, me and Nigel got some plans for next year with upping a little bit of consistency to our uploads, uh, adding a little bit of fan interaction. So we appreciate those who have been along for the ride in 2023. Appreciate everyone who's helped us out along the way, such as Jackson, Austin, Roger, uh, and just other people who have listened and uh, supported us and given us ideas. And uh, we're excited for you know 2024 and the ideas we have rumbling around in our brains.
0: We're, we're going to come back. We're going to be young, hip, and hotter than ever.
1: I don't think we're going to be any of those things, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that said, everyone, uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, if you're listening to this on a weekend... What? I was going to say, what are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. It's because it's the weekend (laughs) as we're recording. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Uh, We will see you next year uh, when we have some fun stuff in store. And remember, the next time you need to decide whether to destroy the universe or not, don't let a little AI robot boy help you out. That was not good. I know it wasn't. I could. It was. I really pulled it out of my rear end at the last second. Do you have a better one, Eric?
1: Commander Shepard is Kenny G. What? Have a good day, everybody. Okay, yeah. Shepard, well,
2: and this is my favorite podcast. <laughs> there, the
1: city. There, there it is. Oh, that was good, Austin. <laughs> right, no, what, it, it, what, did, what did he say? <laughs> so,
0: yeah, hold on, Eric. We'll just both shut up, and we'll let Austin just wrap it up with that one. Line. All right, all right,
1: all right.
2: My name's Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel.
1: There it is. Goodbye everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye Kenny G, he's the jazz saxophone player. I'd say that Mass Effect is jazz!